0: Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Will with Schedule Fly. This is a cool episode with Lisa Carvey, who owns the Braeburn. And the Braeburn is in Langley, Washington, which is on Whidbey Island on the Puget Sound. It's about 30 miles north of Seattle. And it's a cool story. She worked there uh, years ago as a server and had been out there, worked for a while, came back to Vermont, was living back in Vermont where she's from went out uh and it was 2009 2010 and was on vacation out there and just checking back in and seeing all of her former friends and went to the Braeburn and was rapping with former owners and they they asked her if she wanted to buy it and uh lo and behold she wound up doing it so in 2010 she bought the Braeburn and has just has grown every year since then. It's done an amazing job with this business. They uh, last year closed for four months. Uh, took over the retail space that had been next door to them. So they expanded. And now she is um, starting to find ways to work on the business versus in the business. Which is really cool. And I think it's a great. There's some really good actionable things that she talks about in here. That you know would be easy. Not easy to replicate. But maybe replicatable. Um, so check it out because she's really that's that's a good path for her finding other things to do uh, that you know she can where she can grow the business from within the four walls that they operate in and we also just get into some philosophical stuff too so it was just a fun time uh, we spoke for about an hour and really enjoyed it wish I could have been there in person but I did it from my did it from my mobile studio which is my car. <laughs> uh My 2012 Toyota 4Runner. Uh, it actually has good acoustics, so it works well for these phone conversations. By the way, one more thing: um, if if you're listening to this podcast and you like it, and you're on iTunes or wherever you you listen to it, give us a, a like or a, you know five stars or whatever the case may be. It really helps to uh, for the source of where you're listening. The more positive reviews they see, the more they will promote that podcast to people that are looking for this kind of content so no biggie but if you have a chance do it if not it's all good too we're gonna keep doing it it's a lot of fun thanks see you all right we are live so hey everybody what's up it's will with schedule fly and i'm very excited today to have lisa carvey on the phone Uh, lisa is the owner at the Brayburn, which is out in langley Washington on a on Whitby Island. Is Whitby Island is that right, Lisa? It is, yeah,
1: Whitby Island.
0: Whitby Island. Okay, so she's living the island life out there on the west coast, uh, up outside out on Washington, and uh, is the owner of the Brayburn, which you worked at years ago as a server, and you were you went back home on the east coast and then went back and bought it. Is that right? That was.
1: Yeah, I did some bouncing around, but I, um, I moved out to Whidbey for the first time in 03, um, and got a job waiting tables at the Braeburn under the the previous owners, um, pretty right away when I got here. And, and I stayed for almost two years before I moved back East, um, since my family is back there and, uh. Yeah, I bounced around at it but I always kind of had uh, my heart in the Puget Sound after being here. So I finally uh, came back out about six years later on vacation, actually, just to, to see Seattle again and stop by the island and say hello to some friends. And I came in um, to say hi to Jim and Connie, the original owners, and they had basically just posted that it was for sale. Um, it was, yeah, really interesting timing and uh yeah they took me out and i think a couple of cocktails later they were pitching it to me and i was laughing at them but I, I couldn't get it out of my head for the next six months or so and it became a thing
0: that's so cool it was fate it sounds like full, yeah. okay, okay so let's break this down first of all whitby island uh how did you wind up there in the first place being from the east coast a
1: great question yeah it's uh that was sort of a random happenstance my um my boyfriend at the time had done some school in Seattle and had some friends out here, um, and I was interested in maybe checking out the West Coast. I, wasn't, I had never been west of Montana before, but um, we ended up getting in touch with one of his buddies who was doing carpentry on a house that needed to be rented here on Whidbey, and so we rented it sight unseen over the phone and packed up uh, two cars and a cat and a dog and oh drove west. Yeah, it was, it happened in like two weeks, I think, by the time we found it and then decided to actually leave. So it was, um, it was quite the adventure, but I was, in early 20s, I was 22 maybe.
0: Would you, did, now, when you started working at the Braven back then, was that your first job in hospitality?
1: No, I, um, I actually started hospitality when I was, I had just turned 15 maybe when I got my first restaurant job, um. And it was back in Vermont, which is where I'm from, uh, in this tiny little town. And it was actually a, a restaurant called Your Place Restaurant. Um, and the owner was the same owner who had employed my mom while she was in high school. She had had the restaurant for a very long time. Um, and I kind of, yeah, I did a little bit of everything. I I guess I was actually waiting tables um, that young. And I worked there through high school and then... Um, came back on on break from college and worked there a bit as well but that was my first sort of diving in uh to the restaurant industry and it was it was a, a very uh, small town country kind of family place our slogan was try our tripe actually had a cartoon cow's head on the front of the t-shirt which was <laughs> interesting <laughs> um but she was great the owner made me i mean she made me try everything on the menu there there were you know, there were no items that she served that the staff didn't have to eat at some point. Which, for a fifteen-year-old with a limited palate at that point, it was interesting to be um, trying things like tripe and pickled beets and uh, yeah, whatever else she kind of pitched our way. But it was a great experience. She was she uh, she knew a lot about the industry.
0: Well, okay, so so you've got some experience. You head out there. You start working at the Brayburn, um, and. Did you? Was there something special about it to you at the time, or?
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, my my experience, um, you know, throughout working at several different restaurants. I mean, I, I worked at a, an Italian food place um, in my hometown as well. I, I ended up spending a number of years at a resort um, in Vermont doing. Um, dining room work and then event coordinating and wedding planning and um sort of everything in between there um and when i came out and, and started working at the breadwinner it was just breakfast and lunch they had just opened maybe a year before i had gotten there maybe two years and it was just um something about the community the island community the small town um and just the general feel of the place really rooted itself in me. It was um, it was kind of like country cooking, but it, they were using kind of Pacific Northwest ingredients. Uh, and it really reminded me of a version of home that I grew up with. And I was hmm. kind of fascinated with how I could feel that 3,000 miles away. Um, and I just really, I fell in love with the idea of what they were doing and uh, the people who came in and, and just the general area. And I think when I left, I really, I was comparing every place I went to Whidbey Island and the Braeburn just sort of manifested in my um, heart more and more as I was gone um, as, as this really unique little spot. Um, and I eventually you know, really questioned whether I, I wanted to be, um, back in the Puget Sound, or, or keep kind of bouncing around, and yeah, it was, it just, something about it just got itself uh, rooted within me anyhow, and that that has never gone away, apparently.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it. Whidbey sounds like a special yeah. place. I mean, how, how describe it. I, I don't know anything about it. I mean, I, how many people so are there, you, and...
1: Yeah, it's, it's big. It's actually, I want to say, I think it's the second longest island um, in the U.S. Oh, wow. Uh, it's, yeah, it's about thirty miles north of Seattle, so okay. it's it's pretty great in that we have the city close by. There's all of that culture and um, amenities and and just that city life nearby. But the island is is totally this little slice of paradise. It's um, the way it's situated in in the Puget Sound. We actually get about thirty percent less rainfall than Seattle, just the way the rain shadow sort of falls on us. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, and I'm on the south end of the island, which is um, accessible by ferry on the south end, it's about a 15-minute ferry ride crossing, or you can drive around the north end and come down, but it's um, the, the island itself is I mean, it's over 40 miles, so it's a long drive to go up and around. Um, but the south end is really rich with, with just art and music and food and farming, um, a lot of A lot of retired people, a lot of older, um, you know, kind of older dynamic of of people here, but um, young energy moving in and um, young people starting farms and starting businesses and and people who are really realizing that there's this amazing place just outside the city that feels like a completely different world, um, which is really cool. It's it's just in the almost decade now that I've had the restaurant I've seen a huge change um just shift in the energy of the town and and the south end of the island where um where we live which is cool and then the north end is actually there's a huge naval base up there so that brings in a whole other sector of people um you know a lot of growth up there always uh people who decide to stay. it's, it's an interesting um yeah it's an interesting change between the south end and the north end as far as feel goes but they it's really unique parts of the island throughout um yeah it's, it's just a very cool place there's wine tasting and um cheese making and glass blowing and um just a lot of really cool community-based events and then we're surrounded by water so mountains and kayaking and hiking and kind of everything it's it's oh, a special place sounds majestic yeah, it's
0: gorgeous yeah, really for sure. Especially, that's so nice to have that scene and that setting and that vibe and atmosphere, like you said. But then 30 miles away, you've got, you know, one of the coolest big cities yeah. in the country. So, well, okay. So, take me back a little bit. You you go out there. You sit down with the previous owners. Having a couple of drinks. They pitch it. And uh, you can't get it off your mind. So, you go, okay, I'm in. How does that go down? Like, Do you, did you, like how did you fund the deal and did you you get investors or did you have savings or how did that work?
1: It was, uh, it was quite the process. I had, um, so when I, when I came out and they sort of pitched it, um, I initially laughed. I was like, there's no way (laughs) that is not happening. Uh, Why is it
0: that you initially laughed? Like what, what was your reticence it was just Ah. such a surprise and you hadn't thought of it or
1: yeah i mean i i had always i guess in my head i had always thought about having my own place um i had kind of been fantasizing that about that um where i was in vermont at the time i'd been working actually at a breakfast and lunch restaurant in vermont um and doing some of their catering stuff as well in the front of the house um and my My father had actually just passed away the year prior, and so I was in this really kind of weird limbo, like, what do I do with my life now going through that kind of um, you know that sort of greeting process uh, when you lose somebody close to you It certainly shifts um, the way you're looking at things and i was I was twenty eight when um, when I went and, and heard that the restaurant was for sale and I think that I was initially very hesitant because I was um, I was leery to leave my family on the East Coast again um, because when my father had passed, I was actually living in Oregon and, and hadn't seen him in about a year. So part of me felt like I really needed to be near family and, and where my roots were um, in Vermont in the Northeast somewhere. And um, the more I thought about it and kind of chatted it, over even with my mom, um, my friends and, and so on. I they they encouraged me, um to to really explore what I wanted and not hold back because I was scared to leave the people that I, I loved. Um and it was just because it was such an emotional time for me, it was just a really bizarre process of decision making. But um, I knew I loved the West coast. I knew I loved this industry. I had, I've really just always done hospitality in some form or another. Um, and, and that I knew is where I wanted to continue. I just wasn't sure what capacity. Um, and I think I doubted my, my ability a little bit when they first put it out there. Um, but I came out, I looked at the books with them, um, let me let me stop
0: you this. real quick. Why? What yeah. did you say? You doubted your ability a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think. Um,
0: just because you had never owned a place and you just didn't know.
1: I think so, um, and I knew that the the type of place that it was. It was it was really small. It was really hands on, which I'm great at. I mean, I, I learn best by doing hands on. I always have, um, but I think because. Yeah, I think because my experience was limited to the front of the house, which it was all things front of the house. I mean I've bartended, bust, served, uh, hosted, you know, planned huge yeah. events. I, I did have a lot of experience, but um I don't know, that, that self doubt component was just always this sort of nagging thing in the back of my head and, and um and honestly I think because my you know, because of losing my father that actually sparked the the kind of brave whatever within me to, to really just say, you know what, I I can do this. I can at least try to do this. I think that I know enough about the business. I know people. I know food. Um, why would I not be able to try and make a go of this? Mm-hmm. So once I figured out that the, um, the business looked like there was growth happening and it looked promising in those respects, um, I... I managed to get some financing actually through the owners. Um, they were nice. they were willing to do, yeah, the first year of owner financing with me. Um, so I would be able to take over the business. And um, and that's how, that's how it was possible for me financially to do it. They were really great because they felt I would be the right fit to, to continue what they had started. And, and I think they were confident in my ability to make changes and make it um, make it mine. And, um, yeah, I'm forever grateful for their confidence in me because they were very encouraging and, and, um, they actually stayed on as employees the first couple of months just to train me. Um, and my, my backup plan was, all right, at least I like the Pacific Northwest. So if the financing for some reason doesn't work out and this doesn't go through, I'm in an area that I enjoy. So I might as well just make the move back out there and give it a shot. Um,
0: what does yeah, that mean? So that was interesting... The owner's finance... Like, how does that... You don't have to get into the dollars and the deal, but how does that work? Like, what...
1: So, we basically had, um, you know, it was... Basically, it shifted into my ownership. Um, they agreed to loan me a chunk of money, and I paid it back as a monthly payment with a balloon payment at the end of the year. So, okay, got um, it. Yeah. So, that's what made that possible for me um, you know just working every day keeping my labor down doing as much as I could myself I was able to to um, make enough that first year to to fully pay back the balloon payment at the end of the year which was awesome um, so they yeah that that was incredibly generous of them to, to help me with that um, and then I did get a loan beyond that to help as well <clears throat> um, for the next couple of years. So yeah, that's, that was, that was how that all happened. Um, you're and in then a, during that,
0: oh, go ahead. You're in a really pretty, uh, did you, it, so is the, you own the building then, right? Is that?
1: So or? I don't own the building right now.
0: Um, how, how old has it, is it been just, there or how long has it been it's
1: there? It's been, it's been here since the eighties. Um, so it's not a super old building by any means, but it was, um, well, unknowingly to me really when I, when I took over the business, um, it was definitely in some poor condition hmm. um, as far as structurally, it really needed a lot of work. So kind of feels like the first five years were a, a haze of trying to figure out how to plug the ice machine and the coffee maker in without tripping a breaker. And
0: Oh, like wow. The, yeah.
1: Yeah. It was, it was, there were challenges. Um, and I realize now that it there it was just so much time spent um, dealing with day to day structural issues on top of trying to run the business that it was sort of madness for a bit. But um, we had the really great opportunity to completely remodel the building last year, um, and I have a beautiful, functioning new space now, which is. Fantastic and has made um, growth so much more possible and um, just everything run much more smoothly. It's, we we literally went down to the the dirt and studs and took over a retail space that had that had moved next door and um, yeah, it was a, a huge complete remodel, shockingly done in four months. It was very impressive.
0: Oh wow! Oh, so so retail. Retailer had left, and so you were able to use that space and expand um, Exactly. four months yeah. good grief
1: yeah how'd you pull that day. off
0: <laughs> God. it
1: was it was a really serious um, it was a really serious crew that was working on the building they they slotted i think ten days for demo, and they did it in three they had like twenty six guys who came and did demo and and it was less than three days um, wow. and then all of the all of the Um, all of the subs who were working on the project and then the the contractor that I had, they were all local. Um, So they just, they dedicated that entire block of time to making sure that, that the restaurant was turned around and open for me um, at the beginning of summer. That was really my main concern because it's very seasonal here. Yeah. Um, So summer is, is vital that we have those um, sales and that, that kind of business. But it was, it was, quite the project um, and sort of instilled in me a totally different sense of ownership, um, Mm. which was interesting just personally to go through that change. I I think because the space that I was operating out of before was the original owner's vision and their, you know, their baby. um, And I worked for them within that. Um, Even after I took over, I'm not sure that I really felt 100% like the owner because it was not a space that I had designed. So being able to start from the ground up and just completely redesign the space to, to look like my vision and um, you know, to help make the choices about um, you know, how it was going to function and how it was going to be designed, it really um, it, it was a huge pivot for me personally, when we reopened, just feeling that immediate sense of, Oh my God, this is really mine. and This is, this was my dream. This is my dream. And that just happened. <laughs> um, so that's been, that's been really cool. We've been reopened for a year now and settling into that space that feels so much more mine, um, I think has given the business, the boost, um, to continue to grow and, and flourish, um, where maybe I was held back a little bit for the previous years. Um, so that's
0: been neat to see. Well, that's amazing they got it done. Uh, yeah, because clo- so you've got four months of no revenue, and then oh, if you miss yeah. your summer window, that could be interesting. So, well, congrats on that. Um, that sounds really yeah. awesome. Do, do you, if you were to give somebody advice that is considering purchasing an existing restaurant, from owners who are retiring or whatever the case may be, what are some things to look out for? Or to be, you That's know, a really great question. To, what are things that you would want to make sure you, you nail down and you're clear about that, that um, will help you so I, increase your chances of success?
1: Yeah, that is a great question. I think um, looking back on it now, there are definitely some things that I wish I had asked or thought to have asked um I was in the unique situation where I knew the owners um pretty well, having you know worked for them and been friendly with them in the interim that I was gone um so i there was sort of an an innate trust that was already there that had been built um but I imagine going into it now or if it was you know casual acquaintance or business acquaintance or whomever um I would want to do a little more um probably market research. I thought that I knew the town really well because I had been here and I, I knew that the restaurant was so wonderful when I had worked there. Um, but I think like finding out from locals, if it applies, um, I mean, if you're in a city situation, perhaps it would be different in more of an urban environment, but, um, really chatting with people about what, um, you know, what is missing in the town, doing that kind of, of market research would have been a little more beneficial to me at the time.
0: Why um, is that? because
1: that? Well, I continued operating just as is, like okay. turnkey to start. I've made um, lots of changes since then, but what I didn't realize was that, um, you know, I, there were a lot of things that locals were really missing Um and maybe they had stopped coming in for, for a bit. Um, And they didn't really ask what they wanted, which means I think there needs to be a really fine balance between, you know, what you want to be doing, making sure your passion is there to to do what you want. Really listening to the people who are going to be your bread and butter. You know, they're the ones who are coming in in a place like this on an island where um, where business is so seasonal and labor is so difficult to put into place. Um, you know, you really need to make sure you're nailing like what people want to be seeing. And um so I learned over the course of the first few months that um, that there needed to be some changes to get people back through our doors that I just wasn't super diligent about researching to start. Um, and also just really understanding like what it takes if you're going to run a small business, a small restaurant. I mean, it's, um, it is all consuming and I I don't know that I would be where I am if I didn't have that 100% kind of dedication to it. And I, there needs to be some life balance still certainly, but, um, you gotta be willing to do all the jobs that no one else wants to do. And, um, and I, I think I knew that to a degree, but I didn't really get it until I dove in and was like, Oh, this is a monster of a, (laughs) of a beast um, that you need to learn how to, to operate. And um, yeah, you just never know what's going to come at you every day. It's, it's interesting because they're just so, you know, in restaurants, there's just so many factors from the economy to everything else that, um, that changes your day to day. It's hard to predict sometimes or project what you're even going to be looking at in the next week, months, so on. Um, I was really fortunate that when I took over, it was um, November of 2010. And that was right when the economy was starting to Mm. gain some growth again. So I've been really lucky in that we have literally seen growth every single year consistently since I've had the place. Um, every year is better than the last. And I, I definitely contribute a lot of that to just the, the economic increase over those first few years. Um, I think people from Seattle were focusing on going um, closer places to, to vacation or getaway rather than taking longer, expensive trips further away. And so we have a really solid base of people who just get out of Seattle and come to Whidbey Island. Um as a a weekend thing even, um, which is something
0: that really sustains us, um, which is great. Um, okay. This is, that's really good advice. Yeah. It's almost like, don't kid yourself, you know, as hard as you think it may be, even if you know that the restaurant business is tough, it probably is even harder than you, you might expect. Um,
1: yeah, it for sure is, um, I mean, you, you, I always tell, I joke around with, with people who ask, um, you know, how did you decide to buy this restaurant? You were young. What, what were you thinking? And I always jokingly say, I wasn't thinking. I was young. I dove right into it.
0: Right. Yes. Without
1: thinking. And that's why I ended up with it. But I'm thankful that I, that I did that now. And the day that I no longer enjoy what I'm doing is the day that I should not be in the restaurant industry. Um, because you have to just have your heart in it. And, um, and I made, I made a transition pretty quickly, actually from front of the house to the back of the house, which was, um, shocking for me. Uh, I always, I love to cook and I was always around people who love to cook. Um, it was dated chefs. It was the sort of the direction that I, you know, was always going, but, um, I had never cooked professionally in a kitchen until I bought the restaurant and I knew I needed to know every single position in the restaurant and how to execute everything. So I never felt like I was in a jam because, you know, I couldn't part ways with a staff person if I needed to to feel backed into a corner. So I made sure I knew every position really well. And, and so the first couple of months of owning it, I, I learned you know, the menu in the kitchen with the the previous owners. Um, and I ended up hiring a um, kind of kitchen manager uh, person for a couple, the first couple of years. Um, and then it, that didn't work out as I thought it would. So I started managing the kitchen after that. And I, I love line cooking. It's, I, I had no idea I would ever enjoy that, but there's, um, I love food anyway. So I love being able to play around with that. And there's this energy, this really magical energy that is the dance of the kitchen. Um, that is when everything is just in motion, and you're working as a machine with these people next to you. Um, it's hard to explain unless you've been in it, but it's just it's it's such a uh, an energy that um, I really enjoy. So I. I do a little of the front of the house still and back of the house and do some floating. But, um, yeah, I make sure I know all of the positions. I just, I, I really love the back of the house, which I wouldn't have dreamed of before.
0: Well, I love that description. Magical dance of energy. That's so cool. Um yeah. it's, it's one of those things that you, you can intellectually understand what that. Means, but until you've been on that line and done that, it's probably hard to truly grasp what that's all about. There's, and you also said you, we we're working together like a machine, which is an interesting contrast. It's all there's some art and there's some science to it. Is, is that what? Mm-hmm. Is that true?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you know, kitchens are structured, so so there's, you know, there's you've got your meet and class. There's a place for everything, you know, everything should be where it is always. So you can just grab it and know where everything is without having to think about it. So when you're super crazy, busy, you know, you don't, it's just muscle memory at that point. Yes. Um, but it's, you know, you have to, you have to be able to work with the people next to you, um, with some sense of harmony and understanding. I mean, it's, you know, you get to the point where you just, you're working so hard. It's a really fast-paced environment that we have. I mean, we're doing um, our our brunch days, we're doing 350 people, um, which is, for our space and our location, uh, a pretty solid amount of covers. And that, that fluctuates, certainly, but um, that's kind of the average on a Saturday, Sunday, mm. normal day. How many seats um, do you have? Uh, we have 55 seats, okay. um, and then we do have an added 18 on the patio, um, and it's pretty condensed into like um, kind of later morning to early afternoon when we're busiest, and then we, we have added um, a dinner program this year, which is kind of like opening up another restaurant, um, which is steadily growing every week um which is super I mean, we're, I'm really happy with the the growth that we've seen um and that the response we've gotten to that kind of program but um yeah you are you're, you're on the line just going consistently all day you know the people next to you really need to know what your next move is without ha- you know without having to um to be telling along the way everything you're about to do communication is super key but it just when you're working with the right people it becomes just this automatic sort of um like i said dance where you just you know what the next person is is going to do and um it all comes together really organically uh it's just a it's just a neat feeling to be part of that it's like the, the epitome of a working team. And I think I really thrive. I've always really thrived with that sort of um, structure, that real team environment where you feel like you are literally, um, you know, helping create this dish, whether it's a simple um, breakfast plate or lunch plate or whatever you're, you're working together to, to make, played exactly how it's supposed to be um it's just that's just a fun thing to do with with other people um and have it work out the way you
0: want it to um what well, absolutely is so you um but you've also i mean you've got the dual responsibility back of the house front of the house and everything that comes along with both of those um and you mentioned. You know, having the right team in place. You also said earlier that um, how difficult it is to find the right labor, particularly on the mm-hmm. island there. So tell tell me about that. That seems to be an industry wide issue. I, I bet it's it, it accelerated a little bit where you are. Um, you're, but I'm I'm curious why that's such a challenge.
1: Yeah, I think. Um Part of it is just the nature of being on an island um granted it's pretty populated here but um you, know, you don't have the the city really to pull from for labor um so you've got people who are here because they grew up here or um you know are home from college or have families here um but many of those people have their own industry that they're in, or they're, you know, they're, they're raising a family here and able to um, work remotely, you know, based in Seattle, but be able to do it here on Whidbey. So there's just, um, there aren't an overwhelming amount of people who I think are in this industry, have a passion about being in this industry. It's more of a really kind of, um, transitioning spot, I think, for a lot of, of the labor around here, I have been so lucky um, because I have a lot of really long-time employees that, um, you know, joined me because the daytime hours of breakfast and lunch really worked for them because they did have families at home and they wanted to be home in the evening, um, which was totally different than every other restaurant I've worked in where, um, you know, you've got people who, like, thrive on the nightlife and um have a very alternative schedule um but i i um my base my core of the staff that i've had for a long time um are all people who who live here with their families or want to be here and still want to be able to enjoy like the crazy beautiful place that we live in after work um that has changed a little bit now that we're doing dinner stuff as well so i you know i'm having to find people who are interested in working in the evening also but um it's just hard without that population that's in the city and there are no you know there's no college on the island you don't have that kind of dynamic um the other thing that's challenging i mean in washington state especially is that um minimum wage is so crazy high here um which you know as as a person, I'm glad that anyone who works for me can make a livable wage. Certainly, I I, I came from a service wage state where we got paid like what three eighty nine an hour or something to to wait tables, and you had to really rely on your tips um, to try and make any kind of a living, and, and that was very difficult. So coming from that, I really appreciate that the people who work for me don't. Have to struggle quite in that same way, but because minimum wage is so much higher, so is the cost of living. There's no affordable housing on Whidbey Island, so I mean, I lost three employees this summer who couldn't find places to live. It's just it's such a problem that um, that there's no there's no place to put the people who work. Um, everything has become an Airbnb or a VRBO. All of the, the available rentals have turned into seasonal rentals like that. Um, So it makes this a difficult place to, to try and live year round. If you're working in the service industry or, if you know, any um, anything where you don't already have an established career and some, some real financial backing behind you. Um, It has presented a whole new set of challenges. um, And that has increased the difficulty to find people um, who can stay here and, and be here and, um, presents a whole different set of challenges, of course, on the business just financially when you're dealing with the higher minimum wage and then, you know, increasing the back of the house as a result of that, because there's such a, um, there is such a difference between what the front of the house and the back of the house makes. Um, so trying to kind of even that playing field so people feel like it's, you know, worth the, the effort that they're putting in and, um, you know, you're creating more of a team atmosphere rather than front of the house versus back of the house. Um, but it's yeah, this is a tough state, I think, to try and run a small restaurant in because of because of those um those financial challenges and, and certainly the housing here is just a huge issue. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that makes it that makes it tough. You said you've luck you've been lucky to have people but you know you've also been a great owner yes. for them and somebody who they respect and admire clearly and that's that's why they're still there um so certainly don't i know you're you're humble and but don't discount that <laughs> i mean they thank you yeah they, i'm sure they have yeah. other options and you know if if it weren't the, you know if if you were a, yeah somebody that wasn't pleasant yeah. to work for they they wouldn't be there um so that's
1: always that is always a goal for me. I've worked for some unpleasant people and i thought asked myself like they, they can do this. They could make this restaurant so much more successful if they just treated their people with a little more respect. That was, that yeah. was one of the other really driving forces which was behind me having the motivation to, to try and foster that kind of environment. I actually, I just had a kitchen meeting uh, Tuesday with my team and one of the things that um my kitchen manager who i hired on uh when we reopened last year said um that i found really interesting was that he's like he's very old school from he's from the east coast he's from that sort of um kitchen where it's it's loud and um you know almost militant and you're just kind of barking things out and there's there's a little more um, structure probably, but it's, it's also a really tough environment to work in. I mean, you've got to, you have to be tough and you have to have thick skin. And, um, and that is what he grew up in. He's cooked for 30 years in that sort of industry. And I think because I originally was a front of the house person, and then I moved to the back of the house and we have an open kitchen. Um, I have really spent much of my time trying to build an environment in the kitchen where there is certainly that structure that you need but where it's not as um degrading as an environment to work in as so many kitchens can be and i you know he was talking about how it's been really interesting for him to try and shift to um you know, to learn that sort of a kitchen when he's so used to the other side of it um, that he's he's got his challenges with that and, and he comes off gruff at some times. But it was really awesome to hear him talking about how, um, you know, just how, like, humbled and proud he is to work alongside all of these people in an environment that is so different than any other kitchen he's used to. And, and you can really feel that difference in the way people... Um, work and their work ethic because they feel really valued and like what they're doing matters and like they're part of a team with the front of the house and you know they're not going to get yelled at if if they do something wrong because they don't know they're learning or just it's just a different kind of environment than most kitchens that I've seen um and it's probably not for everyone but I I enjoy that it's um that it's more that kind of Collective effort, um, and people really seem to to be grateful for that, and have stayed a, a while, a long time longer than they probably would have otherwise. Um, so that's that has helped the longevity of my staff, I, I, I believe.
0: Well, it's a, um, I mean, it's a that's a long view in terms of you can berate and belittle and yell at somebody to get it right, and maybe they'll get it right now because of that but they're they're not going to be invested in the long-term success of the business and they're going to find something else eventually and they so that short-term gain it's sort of a myopic way of looking at it because you know there's a huge cost uh to the business uh with turnover finding somebody else bringing somebody in training somebody else hoping they you know so if you're if you take that yeah that sort of old school approach, it's, uh, you know, it, it, sure it might be effective tonight to get that done right now, but um, that's not an effective and sustainable practice to build a business that will endure and, and continue to grow and be successful over a long period of time. Which, I mean, I don't, I don't, Absolutely. I don't think it is. I mean, that's clearly how you're looking at it. And I think it's great. I mean, yeah. that, there's a yeah. I mean, cause People do. People. Everybody wants validation. That's like the number. You know, everybody wants to feel validated. They want to feel important. Like they matter. Like they're respected. And you know, if you if you break those um, or overlook those important aspects of a relationship you have with somebody, then that you know that relationship will break down, with personal or business or whatever. So um yeah, i love i Absolutely. love the love your approach i love your philosophy and the style and it's it's you know it's i mean the restaurants are like you you can't well every day is a new day it's a new opportunity to get something right and it's a new opportunity to grow and get a little bit better but you're you're really having a almost a twenty four seven three sixty five ongoing communication and conversation dance if you will as you said you know amongst your whole team right it never ends Mm -hmm. it's just this growing living thing that improves and evolves and changes and gets better but you're never you're never going to there's no goal line to cross you just kind of have to just keep communicating and keep growing and and, and learning and improving as a team right yeah
1: absolutely I mean I think the the goal for me is, you know, just to to watch the business continue to grow and um, and for us to just really continue to hone what we're doing um, and make sure we're doing it at our absolute best. But you know, the the idea is that you, for me, I'm fostering an environment, a place, a a, a team, um, and adding. that with the growth that we're seeing in business and, and really just how like what what changes to make next to hang on to good people who make every day easier because they're with me. You know, and we had enough really great people on the team who wanted more hours. So it's like, okay, well let's add dinner because that's a whole nother that's a whole nother shift that I can offer to X amount of people. Mm. And it's something new and exciting um, to make sure that these people really feel satisfied in what they're doing, because that completely translates through the food and through the hospitality, you know, and the service um, to keep them interested and happy and invested and part of something that is that is continuously growing, that um, that is different every day. And, and how do you? Um, you know, dole out responsibilities. So people are, are just excited to be a part of that. Um, you never know what each day is going to bring. It's, it's, it is just always changing, but, um, I mean, that's kind of, I think long-term where I, you know, where I just see this going is, is, um, how do we open up more opportunity for the people who I'm employing to continue to, to really, um, Help with my vision and what I want to do with the restaurant. It's it's just all that kind of balance, and it just I mean, just in the last year, I, I don't I don't think I could have imagined um, just the changes that we've made within one year. I mean, easily doubling my staff and then some, adding an entirely new program. This is all after closing and building basically the brand new business um, ah. after having had it for for eight years um and it's it just you just kind of roll with it <laughs> you well try and figure out how to keep
0: going yeah you know it's interesting you just kind of you said you kind of roll with it so that opportunity was not part of your plan right it, it it presented itself and you took advantage of it um yeah it
1: was
0: definitely not part of the plan and Dinner was not necessarily part of the plan. Your ongoing objective is to, as you just articulated so well, is to continue to provide opportunities for your team to grow and give them more opportunities. So as your business grows, do you have plans of things you'll do to continue to see that kind of growth or do you have more of a mentality of just kind of letting serendipity work its magic and when opportunities come that you see might be good, you take advantage of them?
1: You know, I think I was more, um, I was more of the mindset, um, you know, about, yeah, letting serendipitous events present themselves and, and going, uh, going after it when those opportunities presented itself until honestly like the last the last year, but the last six months even when when we started doing dinner, you know I I was just so excited about about having something else that was new and different and another creative outlet um, and then hearing the feedback from. Like our locals and people who know us and and now that it's summer the tourists coming in who who've all just responded so positively with the change that um, I am looking more now more than ever at you know how do i how do I restructure my management so the day to day kind of runs itself a little more without me being immersed so much in the I'm cooking I'm hosting you know whatever and I'm kind of I'm looking more now at pulling myself out of that a bit to see where we go next so i mean it's i'm working on getting a, a different permit so i can start um doing some retail production of some of our products as we make our own jam and apple butter we make every, literally everything in the house but mm. um things that people consistently ask four is is um our jam and our apple butter that we have on our tables for people to put on their toast or whatever um they're always wanting to buy jars of that so turning the one day a week closed into a production day where we're you know we're producing a product we're going to start vac sealing our homemade granola and we can sell that as well um so getting a product out there and then being able to um know get that into some sort of distribution just to the local stores around here as well um that's an element that i'm adding that'll add some production hours on tuesdays for staff who want more hours um we're hoping to add more nights to our dinner program right now we've just done thursdays fridays saturdays but in September we're shooting to add Wednesdays as well
0: um, was that deliberate did you just want to ease in with a few nights or was it because you felt like the demand wasn't there for more uh, it, it
1: was it was more that I wanted to really just ease in I we've worked yeah. so hard to develop a really solid reputation for our daytime business hmm. I mean we're really known for our for our breakfast and lunch um, so I didn't I didn't want to overextend us okay. and have that solid base suffer at the helm of creating something new. So I figured a, a couple of days a week just to ease into it um, was the, the smart way to start. Um, and we did it in winter, which is much quieter and was a little painful at the get-go, but we were able to get our systems in place and really feel solid about what we're doing by the time summer business arrived. So we were, you know, we were able to just transition very smoothly. Um, but now that we've gone through most of the year and part of a summer season, we're, we're confident in adding an additional day. And, um, and then moving forward, i um, my husband is actually a wine salesman hmm. and, um, he's super interested in, in maybe doing some events and we're, we're closed on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday nights. So, um, we're kind of. Toying with the idea of, of adding some kind of events on one of those nights, maybe monthly, or um, you know, opening the space up for for another sort of um, service uh, that that could be fun and interesting and different, and um, yeah. So I, there there are definitely things in the works, and and my mind has shifted more this year into how to how to keep um, growing in that capacity and, and adding new things that, that could really work well with the business. Um, I never initially wanted to do dinner because for me, part of the beauty of breakfast and lunch is that it's, um, you know, it's pretty stripped down. People are, are just doing their daily life when they're having breakfast and lunch. It's, it's not always an event. It's like, they're comfortable. They're themselves. It's casual. Um, it's really authentic and, and dinner can be more of an experience, which is great, but I don't necessarily think that people are always, um, comfortable in themselves depending on what the dinner atmosphere is. Um, and for me, I wanted to connect, I really wanted to connect people to some sort of memory, um, and it sounds a little cliche, but just, just creating that sort of nostalgia for people is really meaningful to me uh, because it, it just opens people up and it's easier to get to know them as, as customers and people. And that's part of what I love is getting to know the people who are coming in. Um, so breakfast and lunch just automatically did that. I never really knew how I could translate that into an evening kind of thing. Um, but we're doing comfort food and stuff that people grew up eating, we're just using really fantastic ingredients and doing it all from scratch. So it's, um, it's been really interesting to see, you know, we had a guy in the seventies He came in he had our pot roast and he's like, this is like eating my grandmother's pot roast. I was just transported to my childhood table. This is just like that was, this is really fantastic. And so having that kind of um, hearing that from people is super gratifying for for me um and and just affirm you know reaffirms that what we're doing for dinner is definitely what works with the business that I have is the the feel that we already created for breakfast and lunch um it it has managed to translate to evening where I feel really like jazzed about moving forward and and doing more of that because it I can create that same kind of experience for for dinner. In fact, we call it supper because for me, East Coast, um, New England, supper was supper was what you had around the kitchen table with your family. Dinner was like the more formal one o'clock meal on Sundays. Um so supper was a little nod to my dad actually. He always called it supper. I thought that would be fitting for what we're
0: doing. Old school. I love it. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well yeah. I think this is really cool because so is you're able to find people to help you know as your grooming managers to essentially work in the business so that you can work on the business more this yeah. is freeing you up to energize your your creative side and come up with ideas to help the business grow and diversify which is really cool I mean selling taking your awesome homemade fresh products and packaging those and, and selling those retail um, and events and things like that. What a cool way for the business to grow. When you're, you're limited, you're probably maxed out with your actual physical space, but these are great examples of how you can grow within those four walls and continue okay. to help the business succeed and prosper and grow as well as give your staff New opportunities to you know to grow their income and to grow their skill sets and um, continue to be engaged and dialed in with new things. So that's really cool. Very cool. Thank you. Yeah, well,
1: it's uh it's been a good run so far. I'm I'm fortunate to be where I am in the area we are with killer farms and really great products mm-hmm. to work with and and um, people to develop partnerships and relationships with as vendors. Um, and just having the team that I have it's 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 definitely um one hundred percent what I dedicate my time to, and thankfully, I have an incredibly patient husband <laughs> um who, who supports that um and how much I put into it but um I wouldn't want to be anywhere else really.
0: that's really cool, very cool, yeah, you must have a lot of really good local fresh ingredients. Um you mentioned when we were talking before we started recording that you had some eggs and some tomatoes for for breakfast. Are the tomatoes out there yeah. this time of year as good as I'm thinking they probably are?
1: Oh my god, they're amazing. Mm. They're they're just I bit into one of them this morning. I mean, I just sliced them and um they're just little heirloom cherry tomatoes that I sliced, but it tasted almost like an orange. It was just mm. the flavor is so incredible, and one of one of the farms that I work with really closely, um, they're this, just just a super cool, very hardworking young couple, um, deep harvest farm they call themselves. Um, they are obsessed with heirloom tomatoes, just obsessed. That that's like they have such production of heirloom tomatoes this time of the year, um, and they are my staff actually gives me a really hard time about it because I overorder all of the farm stuff, like because I am obsessed with. <laughs> because I am obsessed with their vegetables and the staff, I was like, what are we going to do with all of these tomatoes, Lisa? Do you have a plan or are you just ordering them because you love them? And it's, it's kind of half and half, but, um, man, the, the tomatoes are, I had never tasted tomatoes like this until I moved here and I just can't get enough of them. Um, and it's just you know, the season, the growing season here is really wonderful. Um, the, the soil is so rich and, um, it's just, it's a, a great place for for vegetable farming, especially. Mm. <clears throat> so we're really lucky to get a lot of our, our product um, from these farms locally. And I mean, we use, you know, we've got eggs from the Puget Sound re- region, and a lot of our meat is from this area as well. So um, there's no shortage of local products to be able to use, which um, I think is what kind of sets us apart from being more like a breakfast diner sort of a place where are using, mm. um, you know, tons of, of local fresh ingredients and doing everything in house. Um, which makes it a little more labor intensive, but worth it. Um, because that's, that's just what, um, I grew up around and wanted to, to really make happen here. Um, but yeah, there's, there's no shortage of wonderful product around to use, which is awesome.
0: Well, I love that. You know, so many people are starting to, I think, pay more attention to what they're putting in their body. Yeah. They understand that, you you know, you re, you truly are what you eat. And this is why we're so thankful at ScheduleFly that we we serve independent restaurants because I think you have so many things going for you that, you know, the chains have the advantage of, of scale and... Um, pricing, negotiation power, and all this kind of stuff. But what? Mm-hmm. But but what people are looking for more these days, particularly as they're thinking more about what what are they eating, where did it come from? Mm-hmm. They're only going to find that at independent restaurants, and people are also looking for something that's more. Authentic. You use that word authentic earlier, and I, I, I always—that's one of the words I always think about when I think of independent restaurants. It's mm-hmm. the closeness to the community, the engagement with the community, the authenticity of the story and the people and what they're trying to do um, with that business, and you know, our we're becoming so much more. Uh, Things seem so much more divided nowadays, and people are on yeah. social media just ranting and raving Although I know that's a small percent of people, it's like there's the same people you know over and over. There. But there's just this discourse, and it's kind of perpetuated through social media and even through mainstream media, where everybody's just you know mad and stuff. But I think independent restaurants—I'm kind of—I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Y'all are like the one place people can go and feel like they're around a diverse group of people who are all in one place with a shared objective to enjoy a meal with whoever they're with and perhaps meet other people and congregate and get away from all this for a little while and just enjoy something that's healthy and fresh and good and good for you. And that, that experience is a really wholesome Healthy experience that I think that independent restaurants it almost it's like every day you, in my mind, become even more valuable within your communities because every day seems to be more bad things going on around yeah, and people are totally. more divided. So it's like the one place, if there's nowhere else you go yeah. where you can have that experience.
1: That's so it's really funny that you just said that because I quite literally was just having that conversation yesterday, um, with a friend. It was,
0: so I'm not crazy talking about. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, not at all. It's, I mean, it's, it can be so frustrating right now. And, and just as we move forward to, you know, be looking at the news and, and I I think there's just just a general sense of overwhelm, um, you know, with everyone these days, because things are so much more divided and and it's like I can spend you know energy feeling that and and thinking about it and and so on um, but how do i like where where is it more valuable to put my energy right now? and it feels like I can't i mean i I don't want to say I can't do anything to you know to change the big picture because if everybody has that mentality, then nothing is ever going to change. But, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I know what I can do and that is have this place where I feel like it is doing something and it, it is giving back somehow. I'm, I'm making even just a shred of a little bit of a difference by creating a place where people can feel comfortable and just enjoy themselves for a moment. Um, you know, amidst all of the chaos that we are all dealing with right now and it's um it's funny cuz I've felt much more of a pull to try and figure out like okay what can I do what can I do rather than how can I make money I need to make enough money to keep the business going certainly and obviously I want growth but like how do we how do we do something and and um it's just super little things like we've got a an after school program in town called the hub it's a little organization where kids come after school between 2:30 and 5 and they feed them a meal and a lot of these kids are kids who are not getting big meals at home or maybe any. Um, and they feed, you know, it varies, but, um, we started a few, a couple of months ago on Mondays donating, um, lots of prepared meals. So we'll take, you know, if we, if we did a whole huge batch of veggie lasagna for dinner, and didn't sell through it, we're, you know, we're giving them hotel pans of veggie lasagna that they can freeze and use for the week. And, um, you know, just trying to figure out what we can make them that makes it easier for them to provide for these kids, Um, which has been super awesome because um, the staff is really excited about it. And they're the ones who are coming up with what we're giving them every week. Um, And then, you know, it all just, comes back around like these kids are now super psyched that the Braeburn help feed them each week and they're um, it's just kind of even more of a gratifying um, sort of cycle that that we've gotten into And, and it's because everything is just so chaotic right now like how do you how do you make every day a little more rewarding for you and your community and the people around you and I feel like I like what is the point of having the business if I can't do something like that because I've I always joke about how I've never been very business driven so it's probably a terrible idea that I own one but um it's the, like the fiscal component um has never been my end game um and so it yeah just it's independent restaurants I think you're 100 percent on the money there it, it it creates something it offers something to people as a, a just a way to to reconnect with people and food and and um and a pleasant experience rather than you know dealing with all of the rest of the things going on for a, a short snippet of time at least
0: well look the fiscal component you should own a business because you don't focus on the fiscal component. Focusing on the fiscal component is a thing that that gets businesses in trouble a lot of times or it causes them to be myopic or not really it's funny because you probably mm-hmm. have a better fiscal component of your business because you're not that's not what you're focused on. The things you're doing mm-hmm. for the greater good, that's some you know sort of immeasurable uh, karma that you're creating out there that you know it, it all comes back it comes back the, the fiscal component becomes the byproduct uh, yeah. uh, in a, a healthy fiscal component becomes the byproduct when that's not the main focus not that you can you, you you know you certainly cannot ignore it you have to have your head on straight and you have to keep an eye on your financials and you have to make sure you're making a profit and all that kind of stuff but if that's the the focus and everything centers around that okay so this year we did this amount of revenue next year it's got to be this that forces you to make short-term decisions that don't benefit the long term success of the business within that community it's it's why like you know on wall Mm -hmm. street you get these quarterly expectations and so these ceos are literally running a business based on hitting numbers over the quarter it's crazy because that's not how you build something that's you know, an institution. And what you're doing is you're building an institution where you have, you you've taken an institution and you've made it even more of one and made it a better one and one that will thrive and en- endure and grow in your community. But it's because you're, you have that larger, bigger picture focus. So that's my belief at least. Yeah. That's how, I mean, I, I really passionately believe that. But. Yeah.
1: No, I, I, thank you. Yeah. That's, it's, um, it's hard to look at it in those terms sometimes. And, um, uh, I think you're probably right it's, it's definitely hard to put heart into it and like um you know make it anything meaningful if you're just focused on the the bottom line all of the time so um yeah I'm grateful that I wasn't supposed um brought up in that kind of mindset uh, it's really more about the people and that's again the the day it's not is is the day that I shouldn't be in a restaurant <laughs>
0: Yeah, there you go. Well, I love it. I think um, you've taken some values and perspectives from Vermont and what you learned out there and Whidbey Island and just really built something very cool that clearly a lot of people that work for you and that are in your community respect and admire as, as I do. So. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this, Lisa. This is awesome.
1: Um, oh, it was absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much for, for the interest. It's, um, it was fun to sit down and I'm not sure I've really ever sat down and like, told my story and had these kind of conversations and, and um, before it's, it's, I'm so just in, in the restaurant day to day and, you know, little, little blurbs here and there of how I came to be here, but it, kind of fun for me to relive that in one story um and one conversation so thank you for that opportunity
0: well you you bet this is i got to tell you i love doing this it never gets old because everybody's story is obviously so different and so unique and most people don't have an opportunity to tell their story. I mean, who does like who sits to You know, yeah. it's just, you never have it in the hospitality business or any business you're in. Nobody really has that opportunity. And I just happen to be somebody who really likes hearing people's stories. So <laughs> it's like if we That's didn't have crazy. the mics on and we were it? just sitting down having a drink, it's the same stuff yeah. I'd ask. Cause it's just cool. It's how you learn about people and you learn from people. And so anyway, but I yeah. appreciate it a lot. And We're just so thrilled to get to serve awesome people like you. So this is really a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed it a lot. And if you will, when you have a chance, maybe send me a picture of yourself and some of the restaurants so that when I uh, put something up on Instagram uh, about this episode, I'll have some cool content to post. I
1: love it. Yeah, I would be happy to do that, definitely. Thank you. Thank you so much. It really it's it's great that you're able to, it's great that you guys have this company that has such a, a service that like helps make our lives easier every single day. <laughs> it's really, I, I'm on schedule more than uh, more than I could possibly have imagined before I started the service, but, um, but you're able to do that. And then also take this component and and um, do these podcasts and tell these stories. It's just super meaningful for, I imagine everyone you, you work with, but it's really, it's cool to be a part of it. It's certainly great to listen to. So so much appreciated
0: indeed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're we're very thankful we have the opportunity to do it. So, we're going to we're going to keep at it. Um well, listen, yeah. I will let you get back to it and so I'm on the east. I'm 3 hours ahead of you and I have not had any food today yet oh, except for more. some black coffee and Oof. talking to you about a restaurant just in general and then local fresh ingredients and then these Da- nailing down the specifics of these heirloom like i'm i'm hungry so i'm gonna get go, you you've you've whetted my appetite so i'm gonna go find some uh somewhere nearby here where i can hopefully get something uh that will that will replenish me as well as what i just have in my plan. mind now Having haven't talked to you <laughs> yeah <laughs> well
1: i hope that you find something delicious i'm sure you will and um If you ever come to the West Coast, this is a good time. Yes, this is a good time to be here, and you can feast on some of those heirlooms.
0: Ah, I'll try to make it happen. I love it. Thank you, Lisa. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Will. Yeah, my pleasure.
0: All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. More coming soon. See y'all.